You're listening to Cross the Line 1524, the common man's podcast. But I came here for just one drink. It's Cross the Line 1524. Join us at the Rusted Nail Speakeasy with a glass of bourbon, table 12, as guys sit around and discuss distilleries, common day events, or whatever comes to the bar top. That's right. Cross the line, 1524. This episode is on the road again. We're down at the Bardstown Bourbon Company in Bardstown, Kentucky. We sit down with their brand ambassador, Sam Montgomery. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Right, we're here with Cross the Line, 1524, and we're in on location in Bardstown, Kentucky, at the Bardstown Bourbon Company. So I'm Alan Stanger with Dwayne Bischoff, Scott Sperlin, Jeff Montag, Mike Gardner, and our very special guest, Sam Montgomery. All right. So, Sam, what are we doing here? Uh, well, we're going to drink some bourbon and hopefully, we're all up to that. <laughs> hey, hopefully, like that's some a bourbon. great way to start the <laughs> day. So, our listeners know it's 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we're, we're already about an hour late from drinking. So, uh, Sam. Tell us what you do here at Bargetown Bourbon Company. Yeah, so I'm the national brand ambassador. Um, I started about four and a half years ago and kind of helped develop the brand, develop the tours, uh, open the restaurant, create the cocktail program. Um, you know, in the beginning, small group, a lot of hats. And then as we grew and expanded, it kind of focused on brand education and mostly travel and host events and Poor people bourbon. Tell them how cool Bardstown Bourbon Company is. Cool. So tell us the history of Bardstown Bourbon Company. Yeah. So uh, we were founded in 2014 by a man named Peter Lofton. He was a very like, larger-than-life guy who, uh, very entrepreneurial, uh, did many different successful business ventures in his life, became a billionaire before he was 30 by selling something in telecommunications, right? A lot uh, like we've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Easy. <laughs> Been there, done that. But it's crazy. I think that's one of the things that I admire most is that, like, you know, if I had a billion dollars before I was 30, I'd probably never work again. And this guy just always kept creating different things. And, you know, nearing the age most people consider retirement, he wanted to build his own bourbon brand. So, like many people looking to make their own bourbon, he came out to Kentucky to source some barrels to start a label and couldn't find any, you know, and probably all the money in the world and not told no very often. Right. He was like, what do you mean I can't get any Kentucky bourbon? So he called up a few friends and decided to just build his own distillery. And that's when they bought this land that we're on. We're on 100 acres right here. And in 2016, finally got our stills up and running in September and started making some bourbon ever since. Since he had kind of, you know, came to the crossroads where he, you know, wanted to source, couldn't find Kentucky bourbon, he came up with this business model that we call our custom distilling program, where instead of, you know, brands who typically source bourbon, as he tried to do, um, he thought he could create custom bourbon from scratch, like starting from the grain. Uh, for these bourbon brands and allow them to decide exactly how we make it. Give them some ownership over the product, right? Didn't really exist before. It existed in wine and beer, but not so much in bourbon. So it was an incredibly successful business model. And before we even fired up the stills, like before we could even prove that we can do it, 
we sold out our customer capacity for the next five years. Oh, wow. wow. So we, you know, plan to expand and grow. And in less than four years, we quadrupled our capacity. We went from initially 1.5 million proof gallons in capacity a year to more than 7 million proof gallons, which is where we're at now. And, you know, in the meantime, have some product of our own that we're going to taste here in a minute and are still making a really great bourbon for over 30 different brands. Good deal. So the model for sourcing uh, whiskey, I'm going to say whiskey because it's rye whiskey, right. comes from Lawrenceburg, Indiana with MGP, obviously. Um, so it was, it's great to find, you know, you guys s helping new distilleries before they have a product they can source from you. So one of the other podcasts we listen to is Bourbon Pursuit, and I know they've sourced some product from you guys too and do, did just recently did some bottling and things. So it's a great business model for folks uh, new, you know, wanting to open a distillery or wanting to distribute a bourbon or spirit, uh, you give them the opportunity to. So that's pretty wild. It is pretty wild. And it's great. It's, it's nice to hear you recognize that because it's not just great for us to, you know, make money that helps us grow, but it's great for, you know, entrepreneurs out there that want to build their own bourbon brands too. It, it's, it's a way to help them. Absolutely. So talk, before we start tasting, we're sitting in a room with how many bottles are in this room? I would say there's at least 300, maybe 400 bottles in this room. So tell us about this collection because it's just not your stuff. There's all kind of bottles in this room. Yeah, so we're sitting in our vintage library, which was um, installed in, in two big, uh, at two big uh, collections. And the first half of that was from Fred Minnick. Um, actually, fun fact, the day I, the week I started uh, one of the first things I did was dust off every bottle from him and try to retain as much knowledge as I could while he would tell me a little bit about each bottle and uh, try to catalog as much as I could and figure out what we were going to do with all these. But when we were opening the distillery, like before the distillery was open, we we wanted to have a bar. And I don't know if you saw the bar in the restaurant yet. We wanted to have like a full-service bar, which never existed for distilleries before. And they wouldn't allow you the license that bars and restaurants have to do that. That's why most distilleries only pour their product and it's just samples and what have you. Um, but we actually helped uh, change state and federal laws that it would allow us to have that license and then simultaneously allow us to purchase vintage spirits off the secondary market to sell by the poor as well, which at the time really only existed in D.C., um, so it was a really exciting thing that we were allowed to do and we wanted to have the biggest and the best and so we got Fred to collect um, the first half of it which is where most of the pre-prohibition bottles, the, the, the prohibition medicinal bottles and the ones from the 60s and 70s are mostly what he collected for us. Um, so just sitting in a room full of American history yes. and, and good bourbon is cool because a lot of these brands have changed hands so many times and they might be labels we recognize, but the juice in there is going to be totally different than right. what you see today. Right. right. So it's super cool. And then behind you is more of what we call like our modern collection. So, you know, uh, anything that's out of production, out of distribution is considered vintage. There's the Parker's Heritage releases, the birthday bourbons, um, some of the orphan barrels, the wild turkey limited releases, just some really cool stuff all around the room. 
lot of history. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we've mentioned Fred Minnick on our show before. He is what's he's considered to be the uh, whiskey connoisseur, master taster. He gets on his last podcast. He said he gets about three thousand bottles a year just sent to him to taste. Oh my goodness! Tough life. Yeah. <laughs> so so then then he goes like he does a tasting and then he's got a bottle set in there. So and he's got a program now for his podcast. He sends bottles to folks and then they do a tasting over the podcast. It's pretty good. Uh, but Fred is the uh, go-to source for um, what I'm going to say. His tongue it tells everybody what whiskey's good and what whiskey's bad. Right. So, very, very, very well known taster, author, podcaster. Very influential. Yes. yes. Very yes. smart man. So, what do we have in front of us here? So, we've got some bourbon. Um, Guys, I we've got bourbon in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to start pouring and uh, we'll start tasting. So, I wanted to show you guys. You know a bit of what we have in in each of our product lines we've got three core series uh fusion discovery and collaboration and then as a special treat one of our newest distillery exclusives nice. that we'll end on so have you guys had some of our products before i have yes I have. yes yeah. i have have you i'm not sure i don't think so okay great i love first impressions um and I love seeing the, the reaction on people's faces, so I'll, I'll try to <laughs> describe that for the people listening. Okay. Um, that'd, be a, so that'd, we're be, that'd be a good name for a bourbon. First impressions. First impressions. Oh, you like that. I like there that. There you guys go. Good. Jeff, you want the naming rights? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to trademark that right now. That is a good name, though. So this is our Fusion Series. So Fusion Series is the only product we have on the market right now that actually uses a lot of our bourbon that we make here. But it's not entirely our bourbon. We blend it with some older bourbon, mm. hence the name Fusion, uh, kind of referring to the blend of young and old. And uh, we tell you everything that's in that blend right on the side of the label here. So this is series number seven. It's got five bourbons blended together. The top three that make up 70% of the blend are three-year bourbons that we make. And there's some really interesting mash bills in there. There's a four grain in there, which you hardly ever see. Um, and a two grain in there, which I think is even rare, that has 60% uh, corn, 40% rye. So there you've got you know, the sweetness from the wheat, the spiciness from the rye, and then two different 12-year products to kind of help round it out. And it's 98 proof. That's good. Very smooth. Yes, it is. And I like, I, I say smooth to, to describe this too, but sometimes smooth can be a little misleading or a little too broad because I think, you know, a lot of young barrels, the three-year barrels, they can offer a lot of like fruity notes, citrus flavors, floral aromas, things that we consider kind of delicate. Um, and then the, the older bears can be really rich and have much kind of like muskier notes like leather, tobacco, stuff that typically dominates those delicate flavors. So when you blend the two, not only are you making it very balanced, which provides like a smooth experience, but you're making it very nuanced too. So I like to say it's smooth, but, but layered. Like there's definitely some interesting layers of flavor going on. Yeah, I like it. That's, good. That's very good. Um, Fusion number seven. So every every single one that we release is going to be a slightly different blend. We'll keep the proof in the 90s, and we'll always honor that concept of blend, blending young and old. But what those recipes are and, and how much of each bourbon we're, we're putting in the blend, we take very thoughtfully. We spend a lot of time and 
put the best flavor out there possible. Um, so they're they're different from each other. So six and seven, I feel like could not be more different. And I have some personal favorites. Um, before seven was released, two and five were some of my favorites. Um, and I don't think any of them are bad. I just you know took a special right. liking to those. Seven became my new favorite. I think seven's the best one in the series that we've we've done so far. Um, and eight is coming right behind it in uh, about a month or two, maybe longer. Um, so if you see it, you've tried it, you like it, you got to grab it because it won't, it won't come back. Good again. deal. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. So before we pour the next pour, so you told us what you do here. Yes. What did you do before you get here? How did you get here? Um, I spent about 13 years in hospitality before I started here. Um, so um, I love hospitality. I love the industry. Um, mostly bartending, uh, but I did everything in bars and restaurants and just grew a love for the culture and for spirits. And I think when I started bartending, I really fell in love with bourbon and knew I would weasel my way into the industry somehow. So I moved to Louisville, Kentucky in 2017 because I had a best friend who had family in Lexington. We visited a couple times and I thought, this was crazy that you know some of the world's largest spirit producers all eat, live, dine, shop in Louisville. Like if there was one place you could rub elbows with the right people, you know, right. make a good impression as a bartender, <laughs> uh, you could you could get in somehow. And a lot of bartenders do. A lot of the a lot of the other brand ambassadors, single barrel program directors you know, sales field team members from like all these brands worked in the Louisville right. industry, uh, hospitality industry first. So, so um, where are you from originally? Peoria, Illinois. I was going to say, you don't have a Kentucky accent at all. So, <laughs> Well, when I go visit my family in, in Minnesota, um, everyone thinks I have a Southern accent, but that's, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, it's really funny. Um, I think it depends on who I'm around. You guys don't have much of a southern accent either, so no, it definitely no. comes out. Like, if you find me at the tap house later tonight, and it's Friday, you might. Like, I probably have a twang in my voice after a couple <laughs> bourbons, and I, I don't know. We have, a, we have a southeast Indiana accent. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Indiana folks. We're like neighbors. Yeah. yeah some of us have more of an accent. Yeah, some yeah. of us have more. The further south we go, the further south it gets. <laughs> yeah, I think most of us here have some Kentucky roots somewhere, so... Oh, that's cool. So way back in there, sometimes it can come out. <laughs> We're all pointing at this poor lady in the yeah, corner that's of the my room. Wife. That's, her accent gets thicker the farther south we go, the thicker hers grows. Oh, I love it. I love the southern accent. I think it's charming. So what's the next bourbon you have for us here? The next one is one of my personal favorites. Um, it's Discovery Series number seven. And our Discovery Series as a whole... Um, is going to be similar to Fusion in the sense that it is a blend. So on the side of the bottle, you will see all the details about the blend. Uh, but the difference being it's going to be a lot older whiskey, a lot higher proof, which usually those two things alone kind of pick out a, a certain type of drinker or connoisseur, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we try to be very adventurous with the blend. And, you know, everything in it is going to be sourced. We try to get our hands on the best of the best and then come together as a team to create a really thoughtful blend, a really tasty blend. And 
and really we're we're really celebrating the art and the craft of blending um, with the fusion and the discovery series because it's something very celebrated in other whiskey cultures particularly scotch and irish um, and you don't see as celebrated in bourbon where we think it it definitely has a place so series seven i love so much because oh we're playing merry-go bourbon there you go i love I, I love this one so much everything before series seven so six through one was always still a blend of straight bourbons whether we were sourcing from Tennessee, Indiana, Kentucky. Seven is the first time that we've blended with some different whiskeys. So not only is there Kentucky bourbon in here, there's Tennessee bourbon, Indiana rye, and Canadian corn whiskey. Between 17, 12, and seven years old. 114.5 proof. And I just think, you know, you've got these different ter terroirs. It's a very, very distinct flavor Different to flavor it. profiles. Yeah. Very distinct. It's a lot more of a bold flavor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very robust. But it doesn't have a bite. No, no, yeah, no bite. At all. I think it's very sweet, it's good. too. Very right? good. Not without some, some spice and some personality, but it's... You can taste the rye in there. There's a little yeah, rye. The rye's there. Yeah. Good stuff. Very good. Yeah. yeah, that is definitely a bolder... A lot of these discovery series, um, you know, their fusion's pretty much available all the time. Discovery, because we're buying everything that and that goes into it, much smaller runs in production, mm -hmm. like how many bottles we can distribute. So by the time, you know, Fred or somebody says, hey, this is great stuff, it's, already it's gone. gone. So you got to kind of get ahead of it a little bit um, and try them and buy them and, and come up with your own. But I think... Just discovery in general is is one of the coolest because we're, we're we're blending with some things that people would typically not blend with, like Canadian. Um, the next one or series nine, which is not going to come out for a while, has some Georgia bourbon in it. Fred actually said that that was the best thing we've ever come out with. Um, series eight is going to be really cool because it's a stay finish where we've never released anything like that before in the market. Um, so just you know, it's hard to like say, man, I tried Discovery 7, I'm gonna go find that one. Like what, whichever one you find on the shelf is the one you should buy because they're all amazing. Right. Yeah, and unique and we'll, and we'll be. Batesville Liquor Co. in Batesville, Indiana and Teppy Liquors in Brookville, Indiana have whatever you need to cool down during the hot summer days and summer nights. Just in is the old 55 barrel picks, which include the sweet corn mash bill. Jake Ireland's off-hours barrel pick is also in. Get both of these while you still can. Are you looking for ready-to-drink cocktails? They've got them. They also have your mixers and accessories to go with whatever cocktail you want to make. Hard Truth out of Nashville, Indiana just stopped in and dropped off the two barrels that Batesville Liquor Co. selected. We tasted it, and it's some great stuff. Guess what? Our friends at Logsdale Distillery have finally made it to Indiana. Try the Monks Road Bourbon and Gin. It is now available. Did somebody say beer? Stock up on both domestic and imported beers. Now, if you're into a fine cigar, they have a walk-in humidor as well. 
and Batesville Liquor Co. Check it out. Located at 315 Shopping Village in Batesville, Indiana, or Tebby Liquor on Main Street in Brookville. Let them know that the Cross the Line 1524 crew sent you. Gilman's Home Centers, with 14 locations and growing. You know what? It's the party time of the year. That's right. You might need some party rentals, and they've got them. They've got bouncy houses, tents, even slushy machines for those adult party-friendly drinks. You know what? Things are heating up, which means you need to start thinking about watering options for your lawn and garden. They've got it. And you know what? It may be too hot for you. They've got plenty of air conditioning units and fans just for you. Gilman Home Centers, with 14 locations in Indiana and Ohio. Well, if you're looking to learn more about the bourbon country in probably the most unorthodox way you've ever heard it, you need to listen to Two Shots on a Barrel podcast. You can join the Bow Brothers, a couple of longtime goofy radio DJs from Kentucky, and learn more about what makes the heart of bourbon country so famous. You can listen to the Bow Brothers as they look to interview experts in the bourbon industry and other things that are truly unique to Central Kentucky, like wineries, craft breweries, caves, kayaking, you name it. It's Two Shots on a Barrel podcast with the Bow Brothers. You can find it on all of the major podcast platforms. Two Shots on a Barrel. You can learn more about Kentucky only the way the Bow Brothers can bring it on Two Shots on a Barrel it's really, podcast. I mean, it's really cool to see different tastes to the market and, and kind of kind of I guess barrel picks ev- yeah. with every bottle mm-hmm. you know so you're getting the best of the best with every bottle you get like you said if you see one just get it yep. there's not going to be bad yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly all right well we're anxiously waiting for the third pour the third pour <laughs> is gonna be a fun one so uh our collaboration series is kind of the third series in our portfolio that we distribute um, everything in the collaboration series is going to be a finished whiskey. So we're taking bourbon and putting it in used barrels to kind of grab the residual liquid that would be in that barrel and pull it back into solution and influence the flavor a bit. There's five of you, right? I've had like one yeah. drink and now I can't count. Okay. Um, <laughs> Happens to us all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like trying to count the rest of the glasses like, oh no. Um, so for this one, this is a, a collaboration we did where we took 10-year Tennessee bourbon, finished it in rum barrels for 22 months. And 22 months is a really long time. And what's really neat about that is because when we get the barrels, anytime we do a collaboration, no matter what the barrels are, we keep them super fresh. We ask them to leave about a gallon of liquid in the barrel, super saran wrap it, pump it with argon to eliminate any oxygen. So when we get them, that wood isn't dried out. There's still liquid right. kind of in the, the layers of the wood in the barrel. And that component with, a, with the 22 months or the long resting time and the finishing barrels, means that you know when they see those full climate swings they're going to go into the barrel grab that residual liquid that's still fresh and tastes good and bring it back into solution and over time influence the flavor um 
So this one is 104 proof. The rum barrels came from Plantation Rum Company. Um, interested to see what you think. Very, to me, it's got a very sweet, caramely yeah. taste right on the tongue right away. No burn. I mean, it's it, for what was the proof on that? 104. Yeah, with yeah. with that, there's well, I think no part of the no, no burn is we're on our third tasting, so your <laughs> well, your tongue is very acclimated to that. But the, it's very sweet, very sweet. The rum makes it sweet. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that nice? It is nice. I'll get everyone a pour after. Too. We can all drink together. I seriously <laughs> underestimated how many glasses I needed. Oh, we share. We don't care. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. We're all good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, like uh, yeah, there's. We've done tons. We've done red wine finishes. Uh, one of our most popular ones was an Armagnac finish with Chateau de la Bode. Um, one of my personal favorites was the Pierre Ferrand that we released last year, which was a cognac finish. But we've got some cool things down the pipeline. We always want to try something new. I think, I think finishing, you know, years ago or, and maybe still uh, has a bit of a bad rap because what's really common is for people that have really young bourbon that they are just angsty to get out there. Right. We'll put it in a finishing barrel just to kind of cover up the youthfulness, right? We took a very different approach. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're putting really well-aged bourbon in. We're letting it finish for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I think the quality speaks for itself. Yeah, so we've it. had right. some young bourbon that, mm -hmm. quite honestly, Shouldn't the distillery <laughs> put it out too soon. Yeah. yeah. And, and what you walked away from that distillery was a bad taste in your mouth, literally. Yeah. And, and, then and you, you don't want to go, go back, go back yeah. to try it when it ages. And, and they even said, oh, this is just two years. We know it's a little young. They've been better not to put it out. Right. It's hard though because I know that's you your profit. So well, your cash money, flow, right? Yeah, building a distillery, and then even even more than building a distillery, like the energy costs to keep yeah. everything running. And right. then, of course, the state of Kentucky taxes every barrel as it ages as well. So there's a lot there's a lot to yeah. it that people don't understand as yeah. far as but wanting to get the barrel out to sell. Yeah. But the good thing for those people that think long-term and want to get a quality product is you guys are offering them that yeah. ability to get a product out there that's quality so that they keep their customers coming back when theirs finally does age to the point where it's ready then they can let it out and they've got a quality product that just kind of flows along instead of like you said we you know we've got a bad taste i i would be very reluctant to go back even though two yeah. three years from now it's probably going to be fine but that first one was like uh, you know a little little sketchy on it so Talk to us about your still. What kind of still do you guys have? Yeah, so we have two 40-foot stills that are both 36 inches in diameters. Um, they both run 24-7, continuous column stills. Um, I think one of the, the, the most common questions I get from people who visit and see it are, uh, is, is there any copper on it? Because it visually looks like it's entirely stainless, stainless steel, yeah. and you probably notice that on the walk up here. That was just for aesthetic purposes. Um, but the top, so the, the column still in general has two sections. It has a stripping section and then it has a rectifying section. So your stripping section is where your beer goes in and falls down. Everything above it is the rectifying section where all your alcohol vapors go up and all your reflux uh, travels down, all the alcohol that is used to help 
make more alcohol, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so that top section in our still is covered with copper on the inside because that's what you really need. It needs that direct contact with alcohol vapors to help clean it up. The beer, all that grain and water, doesn't need to touch the copper as much. Right. So everything below that is stainless steel. And then just to make it look uniform, we wrap it with stainless steel to look pretty because everything here looks pretty. There you go. <laughs> Well, well, I we do I, have a wonderful complex here. It's it's wide open. Yeah. You can see it from the highway coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so it looks like you're building another rickhouse yeah, right now. Yeah, so there's a lot of construction going on, it looks like, right now. We have not stopped <laughs> building <laughs> yeah. since the day we broke ground to build the district. Yeah, I think every time for the past four years, we've been coming up every year, and it's every, every year we drive by, there's something else going on here. And it's funny because the timing of everything that's happened this year like we're building we're on 100 acres right here and we always knew from like day one we could fit 14 rick houses on our property we're building the 14th right now and we're like oh man this is gonna be crazy like next year we're gonna actually stop building for once nope uh so we we broke ground in march um i believe march or may um to expand our production which is a big move so we're at full capacity right now of, as far as what we can build, expand, whatnot within our walls. So we have two stills here in this building, um, 36 fermenters total, but only 18 in this building. We have 18 in a separate building. So recently we decided to expand onto that building, add another still, another, uh, at least a dozen fermenters, probably more than that, another mash cooker so that we can expand our production by 50%. So offer, start making more bourbon for ourselves um, and offer a bit more in our customer capacity, what we can, what we can do for other brands. So that'll be about a two-year project. And then we just bought 300 acres across the street. I don't know if you noticed Flowers Bakery on the other side. Behind that is 300 acres. So now we've got 300 acres to build more rick houses or <laughs> do whatever we would want. Do whatever we want. <laughs> With, It'd be um, nice to get to a nice 10, 11 million barrels a year. That's yeah. a nice, nice even number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's crazy. And it's crazy to think that all this has happened. Like when I started, we only had two rick houses. And now we have 14 and 300 more acres. And it's such a short amount of time to think about that growth. It is. Yeah. So it's been very, much so. been very honored to, to see it all happen and kind of witness it. It's amazing yeah. to see the bourbon industry still just on fire like there's no end to it. There is no end to it. It won't stop. It's not a trend. You know, it's our American spirit. And, and for that reason alone, I don't think it's going to fade out. We would tend to agree with that. You know? It's not just the gentleman's drink anymore. It's right, yeah, it's right. become a... It's the American drink. Right, you know? yeah. And the whole world wants it. So, you know, yay for us. Yeah, well, that's I, true. And I, and I still believe there's a very small percentage of people that are drinking bourbon yet. So there's a lot that, 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 are, that are drinkers, yeah. but that are drinking bourbons. And they just haven't got into them yet. Right. So I think there's, a, there's a, still a huge market out there. Untapped. Untapped. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. When they get done with their vodkas and their tequilas, they'll right. come back to yep. the there's, American I mean, legacy. Yeah, yeah. There's room Bourbon. for all spirits, too. I mean, right. I'm not shy to have a tequila here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Water. some of us here aren't shy to have gin. Gin, but they're not allowed to have any anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we won't mention names. We don't mention names. They have been put on probation. <laughs> 
I got in trouble last week, and maybe this is the part we edit out, maybe not. Um, but uh, because I was grocery shopping to make some dinner for me and my partner, and I was eye level uh, with a jar of cocktail onions, and I went, uh, "Yeah, we're gonna have gin martinis tonight with cocktail onions or Gibsons." And then I swear that bottle of gin was gone in like two days. It just happens because of these. It's the onion's fault. Onions. It's, yeah. onions fault. <laughs> it's the onion's fault. I had no intention to drink that much gin, and I hadn't drank that much gin in a long time. The next morning, I was like, we have to stop carrying gin in the house. We have to throw the onions in the trash. You can keep the gin, just get rid of the onions. Yeah, that I was guess. the problem. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know what came over me. So I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. We got off track here, but it's good. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. So it's time for the next little taste. Okay, the last one is so exciting. Um, and this one, this one is part of what we call our distillery exclusives. So really, really small runs, right? Meaning we only do maybe a, a couple barrels, sometimes even just one barrel of something uh, just to have some fun creatively. They're, they're typically our most creative expressions and only sell it in our gift shop. So it never goes to the market. And this one I'm so excited about because I, you guys like Irish whiskey? I've had some. I've some? had some. I've okay. Liked. So I like Irish whiskey. I like all whiskey. Um, this is a blend that we collaborated with Fair Cullen, which is an Irish whiskey producer that's not distributed in the United States. I think they're considering it, and so this was a fun kind of way to enter the market. Test the market. Get their name out. In a very, very minuscule way, but um, it was fun. So we sourced some 12-year Kentucky bourbon. We tasted through some of their expressions, some of their barrels, and we came up with this blend that is... Um, some 12-year Kentucky bourbon and some 21-year-old Irish single malt. Um, and it's fantastic. Uh, so let's take a taste together. Ladies, you guys want to taste this one too? This is the best one. I think I have enough glasses at least to go. Yeah. <laughs> Those two, I know, no. I know two of the ladies. The other two, two yes. happy to taste. There's three. Or three. three. Bourbon? Oh. Okay, so we got three bourbons. Here, well... Get the guys here first that are going to talk about it, and then I'll pour y'all some. There's that Kentucky transplant accent. Yeah. <laughs> Got a y'all. I love saying y'all. Y'all is so great. Who needs it? Mike needs one. There you go. And then what ladies can I pour one? You have one? Great. You? There you go. Over here? Yeah, great. You two are okay? That's okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it was fate. Look at there's one last left, and that's That's funny. just for you. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. Well, cheers real quick then while we're on Absolutely. our last Absolutely, yes. Thanks for coming out. Oh, thanks. Yes, for thank it. you for having us. <laughs> Talking about some bourbon. It's better to drink some bourbon. Yeah. 102.4 proof. Definitely has a, dis a, a different nosing to it. I get Fig Newton on the nose. Now that you say it, yes. I think it's. I think the yeah. Irish was aged in sherry casks, I believe. Um, it's got to be where that kind of like figgy nose yeah. is coming. Are you tired of hearing the same old songs over and over on the radio? Every single hour, the same tune? Well, it's time for something different. Check out 
Hometown Radio USA. The best independent music, hits from yesterday, hits from today, podcasts, and so much more. Hometown Radio USA, you can find it on the web at www.hometownradiousa.com or at the App Store or on Google Play. Hometown Radio USA, reimagining radio and coming to you in your hometown. Looking for a Heisen side-by-side or ATV? How about a youth model Tau-Tau quad or dirt bike? Stop by Hoosier Power Sports at 7892 Schumann Road in St. Leon, Indiana, or visit our website at HoosierPowerSports.com for the latest inventory. We are the Tri-State's largest Heisen and Tau-Tau sales and service center with a large selection in stock all the time. Don't shop the other guys who just want you to leave a deposit and maybe you'll get a side-by-side sometime this year. We've got plenty in stock all the time. Hoosier Power Sports at 7892 Schumann Road in St. Leon, Indiana, or visit our website at HoosierPowerSports.com. Are you looking for a fun event for a fundraiser, private party, or bar and restaurant social? Then head on over to Let'sDoAtasting.com. Certified bourbon stewards from the Staven Thief Society help lead whiskey and bourbon tastings for your event. Your guests will learn the proper tasting techniques and how to identify flavors in the bourbon. They'll hear about the history of the bourbon and the distilleries that the tastings are coming from. It's a fun and interactive tasting event. You can find them at letsdoatasting.com or on Facebook at Let's Do a Tasting. Get a group together and let's do a tasting. Earthy, sweet, yeah. dark. Oh wow, fresh. that's good. Yeah, yeah. It has a real woody, earthy taste. I mean, yeah, real earthy. Initially, yeah, sweet. yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff. Mm. Very good. We, so we can only get that here at the gift shop. We can shop. only get it here at the gift shop, and when it's gone, it's gone. How many bottles do you have out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's go count them. <laughs> yeah. That is good. It's cool. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's funny with every little taste. It's different. That last yeah, one was, one I'd had whole different flavors than the first two. I, I, there's a heavy wood earth tone, for me at least. And then it mellows off afterwards, but yeah. it's. Very good. I am probably not pronouncing it right because I think to say it with like an Irish accent, you say fair instead of like fur, but you put the stress on colon. So it's like fair colon. I don't know. Um, I have an I uncle, can manipulate I have an this uncle stuff. who's uh, Irish, <laughs> so I should should ask him. He speaks in I'm Irish. I'm Irish hillbilly, but that doesn't. I used to have red hair. <laughs> That's some good stuff. It is some good mm. stuff. Once it's gone, we'll put the next one out. We never really know how how quick they're going to sell. It kind of depends on the hype, who hears about it, who comes in to buy it. But um, there's one coming down the pipeline I'm really excited about. That's with Amaro Nonino, uh, which is an Italian spirit. Amaro is very bittersweet. It's an Italian group of, of spirits that are notably bittersweet, but every producer has their own proprietary recipe or blend of herbs and spices. So they're all super, super complex. And it's a female-owned um, 
Amaro producer, so love that. And you know, we use we use bitters in a lot of cocktails, so I feel like it's going to be a, like a cocktail in a glass kind of uh, taste. So I'm really excited for that one to come out. So, so uh, you mentioned you source to a lot to a lot of different. Mm -hmm. uh, do, do they? It used to be source products. They would never put that it was yeah. from someplace else. So mm -hmm. do you see that changing in the market and folks saying, hey, this is where this is coming from? I do. I see, um, you know, entirely up to them, not up to us. Once they own it, they own it. They can do whatever they want with it. We haven't really crossed that bridge too much yet because we are distilling it for them. So most of what we've distilled for our customers is aging currently and not in the bottle. There are a couple exceptions. I think Chicken Cock has a two-year rye that we made that's out there somewhere. And I believe it says distilled in Bardstown, Kentucky, which then you could kind of maybe assume, but I don't think it says distilled by Bardstown Bourbon right. Company. That's sort of like a lot of ryes now. Yeah. We'll say distilled in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. you got to put two and two together. Sure. I know it came from MP MPG. but I hope they do, and I think that's something that we've done very well is kind of – you know, we're very transparent about sourcing because it's an inevitable part and a lot of people don't realize that. Like right. it really is inevitable and you really can be, you know, build a rapport, build some respect with consumers just by being honest, putting quality stuff in there, blending it, you know, very right. thoughtfully, having having a good palate and, and skill for blending. Um, so hopefully, you know, we've already seen some people kind of mirror that attitude and right. i think imitation is the best form of flattery right, right. i think Absolutely. right um i think more yes and more so start. we have friends at log distillery the dance and they right away said their product was a source product they didn't even have a, 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 bur a still for the bourbon at the time right. uh, and they're very transparent right you know and i think that to me that's the way you have to do it yeah, in this day me, and age I, for me i appreciate that right I appreciate the honesty and in this day and age that. you're not going to get by saying it with the internet and what folks right. know out there, you're not going to get by saying, yeah, we made this product because somebody's going to say, no, they didn't. Where's your rick house? Where's yeah. your stills? Where's it? <laughs> and unless you've got the money to, okay, I'm going to start a distillery this year, but I don't need any money for seven years or whatever, you know, you, you're you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to source them somewhere yeah. just to create the cash flow, as Jeff said, yeah, and, and keep your business what going. What you can do is you can do gins, you can do right. vodkas, things like that, and, and pump that out right yeah. away because those don't age where uh, bourbon, you're, you're going to age it. Right, you got so. to. So Castle and Key made some awesome gin while they were waiting for their, and their bourbon just came out, and it's excellent too, you know? Right. It's not a bad way to go. Some people are a little reluctant because once you kind of make some popularity or, you know, some some reputation as a good gin maker, they're like, oh, now they have bourbon? Right, yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. That, you know, then they build an audience with gin drinkers and our gin drinkers, bourbon drinkers, right? So, right. but they've done it pretty flawlessly, in my opinion. So, we know one. Yeah, we know yeah. which one. <laughs> Clearly. So I gotta say, the the name of the company, Bardstown Bourbon Company. So, you know, I think everybody that's into bourbon at all knows the Bourbon Trail, and it covers a pretty wide territory down here. Oh yeah. But really, Bardstown's the center of it all, you know. And yeah. so it's kind of interesting that that you guys jumped on just the name grabbing Bardstown because I think that is that is what people see as the center of bourbon country. It is. It's actually known as the bourbon capital 
uh, of the world because we're home to so many different distilleries. And I think it was one of those things that like when we used Bardstown in the name of our company, I feel like everyone kind of kicked themselves a little bit. Yeah. Like, Why didn't we do that? Why are we, yeah. 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 And I know rubbed a few brands. Uh, right, right. Because right. oh, you got some brands out there with uh, maybe – Bardstown but in it's great because we do try to focus on the local community and and you know be a home for them and something that they can have shared ownership of right like we want as much as we want every tourist to come in and and be wild like we want every local to come in and feel like you know they own this this is you right. know, it's part of the community it's part of the community so um, easier said than done but I think you know we put a good effort in to do so. Yeah. It's a good product. Yes. Kind of hard to pass bourbon out at the local schools, but I'm yeah. sure the teacher, <laughs> yeah. teachers might appreciate it. <laughs> Some bourbon education. That's here. right. Well, I think the restaurant is very family friendly and, you know, we, um, you know, most of our employees that work here, especially in production, live in Bardstown and we just had a big family day where we brought all these inflatable blow ups and horseshoe and, catered you know we, we try to make it you know because bourbon is such an integral part of the community right. that you know it's it's good to celebrate the families that yeah and that's it. Your that work here too you know? your restaurant it's not open yet this morning we're here a little bit early but it's beautiful to walk through the restaurant oh, and yeah. how it how it kind of lays into the bar and and everything else it's very well done thank you yeah we're pretty proud of it um it's been a lot of a lot of people, a lot of hands that have gone into making this place. What and it just is. coming in here, a couple of things I hadn't seen at other distilleries. I've been at them. Maybe I just missed missed them. But you got the one rack out here. So the, the the rack house is completely open on the one end. Yeah, glass. Facing, yeah. Open with glass, and so you can see, you know, the barrels, you know, lined up from top to bottom. Um, that was a little something different that I haven't seen before. Super cool. So. That one just got built, but the one kind of catty corner from it has some glass on the sides. And initially that idea was so that people dining in the restaurant could see the barrels aging. Yeah. Like it'd be like a cool experience. And then during uh, during the pandemic when it, nothing was open, um, I had asked our head distiller, Nick Smith, who was just floating around the distillery. I said, hey, has anybody tasted the barrels in those windows? And he was like, mm-mm. And they're three years old because that was one of our first rig houses that we opened. Yeah. That year, they're, our old spirals were about three years old. I was like, do you want to go taste them and see Is like, there a if, if there's a difference? So I grabbed our creative director and I made him record it so we could put it on Instagram TV or whatever. And it's on there, us tasting these barrels. So the, the rig house has about, oh man, at least a dozen barrels back, like from the center of the Rick House, where the aisle is, to the window, there's at least a dozen, right? So the ones in the out on the window were receiving full sunlight, and the ones in the aisle were receiving no sunlight. But they were from the same fermenter, run on the still, right. in the same barrels, like all filled at the same time. So we tasted them side by side. And what was really interesting is that there was a big difference at three years and I quite preferred, at least at three years old, the one that wasn't in sunlight. It was a bit softer, more floral, and I don't know, maybe that'll change though. When it's 10 years old, I might prefer the window one, but there's definitely a huge difference, and that's what we thought it would be super cool to do 
like an entire rick house that uh, had glass just to see if we could make that like a special rick house where we did special, special releases flavor, yeah, yeah. Uh, from full disclosure um as we started building it the cost of glass skyrocketed right. as we all know and um we we could only do one wall <laughs> but it's still pretty cool yeah maybe if the cost of glass goes down again on that new property we bought we'll, we'll do yeah, one i doubt entirely that. glass but we'll see <laughs> yeah. yeah i was going to ask that question if anybody had looked at yeah because sunlight hitting it's going to change temperature changes i mean it's going to oh, change yeah. temperature faster um, yeah. for the warming part of it and then in the winter time it's going to be warmer than the ones inside just because of the sunlight hitting it mm -hmm. so yeah that's mm -hmm. interesting that was like October of 2020, so maybe we'll do it again in October. Good excuse. Check, check in on it on two years later. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? Having access to those rig houses is dangerous <laughs> <laughs> and fun. Uh, because what are you doing after the podcast? Yeah, we can 100% go taste from a barrel if you guys want. Oh, after, sounds like a plan. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, we might right, have we're, to like sneak off. around <laughs> some tour groups hey, and stuff, right. and been, like we, a few of us have been known to sneak in a Rick house here. Today. Yeah, some of us <laughs> get yelled at. Got yelled at before. Run out. Hey, there wasn't no sign. There wasn't a sign up that said "Do not enter." Yeah. If there's no sign, it's like racing. If it ain't in the rules, it ain't a rule. So but yeah, we love to uh, sneak around a little Have bit. Have you seen you. like the bars on like the first and second floor brick houses before? Mm -hmm. So you know, <laughs> you know. Oh, I thought he was laughing. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Um, <laughs> the bourbon is kicking in. And they had to do that because um, people would sneak into rig houses because there's not a whole lot of security. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, and siphon. They would yeah. siphon whiskey yeah. out of barrels. Yeah. Um, there's a huge um, story on it uh, somewhere on Netflix, on a documentary on Netflix about two people that were both working for a different distillery that were siphoning it from their own distillery. And then you started to see all these people put bars on their yeah. uh -huh. so, yeah. <laughs> Now you know. Now it's like the Monty Python. There's like booby traps and yeah. and you never know who's around the corner. There's like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I get terrified in rick houses by myself. Absolutely terrified. Oh, it has to be a little creepy. It's very creepy. Because the building's moving. I mean, it's, it's moving. It's creaking. There's yeah. wind. There's... You guy know. stealing bourbon. Yeah, some drunk guy. <laughs> tourists, no. tourists wandering where they're the not supposed to be. Ghost, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the angel. <laughs> so, you guys have any questions for before we sneak off to a brick house? No, I, I think this room is awesome. I mean, this is yeah. my kind of library. Are we allowed to take some pictures of the room to put yeah, on the website? Yeah, take as many pictures, videos as you'd like. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. great, great. So, I got. I don't know, sir. So, do you travel? I do travel a lot, all the time. So have you been to Batesville Liquor? No, where's that? In Indiana. No, let's talk after. Okay. Perfect. I go through Indiana a lot to go when I go visit home, so I don't know whereabouts. You guys are southern Indiana. Southeastern. Southeastern. Right, Cincinnati area. Okay, yeah, probably. It's just the, yeah. well, the interstate 74 runs yeah, right yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Perfect. You're, you're going right they, past. They I'm going home ba next week. So they own Batesville Liquor Co. So that we could be happy to. Yeah. Be perfect. Perfect. So, what do you see in the future here in the next couple of years? Man, I wish I could tell you. I see bourbon growing. I see our brand growing. I see uh, one thing I forgot to mention or tease out is that next year, 2023, we're going to launch our first core product, three products that are going to be entirely ours, two bourbons and a rye. 
one of the bourbons is going to be a bottled and bond six year, which I'm really excited about. And it's weeded. Um, we so have some weeded fans here, so that'll like that'll be huge. Like that's our that's our real debut. Everything else here is kind of a teaser or like a time biter, if you will, while we're like waiting for our best stuff to age fully. They're all pretty good, and, and we love it. <laughs> and we're not going to stop producing these even when we release our origins. Um, but that's going to be a big move for the brand. So we'll hopefully um, start distributing in more states. We hope to be national by 2025. And then international from there, you know, like we're, we want to be one of the biggest players in the bourbon game. So, um, you know, hopefully we see the communities get bigger. I think something that's really great that came from the pandemic is that a lot of people started drinking bourbon, building bourbon communities, right. you know, where they have Facebook groups, where they chat, share what bottles they're, they're picking up having, right? And that, that I think is going to grow more, include a lot more people, younger people, women, people that, you know, typically uh, don't think it's for them. Um, so, I don't know, sky's the limit. Uh, yeah, looking forward to Kentucky Bourbon Festival in September. You guys ever go? Well, uh, unfortunately, yeah. it didn't work. The, the timing, yeah. and there's That's a conflict okay. this year. So, I, last year I said, we're coming this year. Well, we can't. So. I got to tell you, one of the coolest things about the Kentucky Bourbon Festival is the barrel relays. Ever, have you guys heard of these? Yes. So every I've distillery. Some, I've seen some videos. Yeah. Every distillery will put in a team, and there's um and we'll, when we go past at the rick house, you'll see a practice rick that we've set up to practice. Um, it's they're taking it serious. There's they're four practicing. people. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> several, four days a week. Um, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. So they yeah so there's four people on a team and it's a little bit of like a square and it's a relay there's 10 barrels so you have to roll them out get them around the square and then you have to get them into the rig bung up and it, they're heavy they're full they're 500 pounds oh wow. every distillery takes this so seriously and um it's one of the most fun events to, to watch and this year bardstown bourbon well last year bardstown bourbon company won as as a team um this year we're gonna have a woman's team as well. Nice. Yours truly is on it. Right. There you uh, go. So I've been out there practicing, and we're going to take both titles this year, men's right. and women's. Right. And rumor has it ESPN is going to oh, cover cool. it yeah. this year. Rumor has it. I haven't heard that confirmed, but they're trying or something. So when your podcast reaches millions and billions of people worldwide, um, they're going to have to. Like so. Yeah, like and we're going to tell them that you were just like the big bambino who said the ball's going there. That's right. You, you just put your claim, <laughs> we are winning. Both categories. Yes. Yeah. Like the Bourbon Olympics. That's, yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, good deal. Good deal. Well, we're going to let you go, but we'd like to thank you so much for taking time with us here and uh, doing a tasting with us, telling us the history of Barstown Bourbon, your history, and where the Barstown Bourbon's going in the future. So I'm Alan Stanger with Dwight Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Scotty Bourbon, Mike Gardner, <laughs> and a very special guest, Sam Montgomery. And we're going to sneak into a Rick House now. See y'all later. <laughs> what a great interview with Sam Montgomery from the Bardstown Bourbon Company. I'd, I'd like to personally, in the, in the podcast, I'd like to thank Sam for sitting down with us, telling us the history of the Bardstown Bourbon Company, where it's going, and her history as well. And then doing a tasting with us. We weren't expecting that part. It was amazing. 
And as you heard afterwards, we snuck into a um, Rick House and Thief from a Barrel, had some great cocktails, hung out for a while, got to see the ops, the barrel course for the uh, Bourbon Festival. As with all the distilleries and folks we interview there, we highly recommend checking them out. Uh, if you can't get down to those areas and to the distilleries, check out their products. Uh, there's some good product coming out, as we tell everybody. So we have a lot of uh, more uh, on-the-road podcasts coming out. This has been a summer of travel for us. Uh, you're going to hear podcasts from uh, the Brookville On Tap Beer and Bourbon Festival. Uh, we did several interviews there. Uh, it turned out to be an awesome event. There were several hundred people there the entire time. Uh, then we traveled to uh, Wilderness Trail uh, to interview Dr. Patrick Heist. And uh, then there's an interview that we haven't done or I haven't put out uh, that we did at our friend Larry Reedy's house. Larry uh, has a shooting course there. Uh, we're big uh, gun safety and Second Amendment folks. So we went out and did uh, a shooting course there, which was absolutely phenomenal. We'll get that podcast out as well. So for all the folks across the line 1524, I'm Alan Stanger, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Cross the Line 1524 with Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, and Alan Stanger. Remember, you like us, leave us a five-star rating and positive comment on whatever podcast app you're using. Hey, check out our webpage at www.crossthline1524.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Check out Podcast 1524 on Twitter and Cross the Line 15/24 on Facebook. Give me one before you kick me out the door.